And welcome everybody, you are listening to the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, Alex Ivish Project back again. So I've got a couple things to talk about today, we got the Aldrich Rosas release, DeAndre Baker going on the Commissioner's Exempt list, we also have the Jamal Adams trade, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, we have the Nationals-Yankees series recap, the opening series recap from last weekend, and we also got to talk about the Phillies series in Philly being cancelled, not the stadium, but the Philly series in Philly being canceled. And also the fact that NFL players are starting to opt out today because today is the beginning of actual training camp. It's going to be a weird one. It's going to be a weird season. MLB, NHL, NBA, any other sport you guys watch, it's going to be weird. And there's no normalcy to it unless, you know, COVID-19 just goes away. But before we get to our first topic on the day, and I announce something about a sponsorship. Obviously, you guys saw it on Twitter, but I'll get into that in just a minute. Anybody who listens to my podcast or you know somebody who's looking for a writing job, please contact me. I am a new advisor at All New York Sports. I've been writing for them since about March, April-ish. And we are looking for new writers. We are going to be paying well, not us, but WordPress is going to be paying for the views on your article. If you write one and if it does well with the SEO, if you have worked with WordPress before, it will be a lot easier. But if you haven't but still have a writing interest, please contact me. Or if you can't contact me, contact All New York Sports. They do have a Twitter page. You don't use it often. It's got like 15 followers, but if you take a look... At the Instagram page, it's got about 2,000 followers. So, that is something to do. So, first thing is first, I am glad to announce I finally have a sponsorship that is all to do with gaming.com. They are a startup company, so they are just starting out right off the bat, but they are selling stuff. And we'll get to that and the ad I'm promoting for them in a little bit, but let's start with the Elder Crossoff subject. So let's tackle today's first topic, which is Aldrich Rosas' release. And we're also going to cover the fact that DeAndre Baker was put on the commissioner's exempt list. So the Giants, ever since the Aldrich Rosas incident in Chico, California, have remained really quiet on it. They haven't spoken much about it. Uh, but on Sunday, they released Aldrich Rosas after being with the team since 2017. He won the starting competition job against Mike Nugent in 2017. After a horrible year in 2017, he won the job against Marshall Kane in 2018. In 2019, he had no competition, and he didn't do so good last year. So, said this multiple times, two is greater than one. Two is greater than one. He had two bad years over one good. One good was his Pro Bowl 2018 year in 2017, and... 2019 he made 72 and 70 percent of his kicks which isn't good you could contribute the missed kicks this year because of some of the poor snaps from Zach Diasi obviously he went on IR and probably gonna retire if he hasn't already but you could put some stuff in there and you could also blame the horrible special teams in 2017 but again he didn't come out of those situations like a star and he made 72 and 70% of his kicks those years, if I'm not mixing up the numbers, but he was cut because of the charges that were facing against him, and they didn't wait too long, I'm going to say. They didn't wait till the season started. They didn't wait till when the preseason, quote, quote, was supposed to start. So, on this situation, they also brung in Chandler Catanzar. Now, let me talk about the release before I talk about the replacement. So, 
I sort of agree with the release. I do. Because even though people are like, oh, let's wait for the facts, you know, Joe Judge and them are going to wait for the facts. In some cases, and in most cases actually, I don't know that you can have a witness not say that Aldrich Rosa stayed crashed into a car in Chico, California. My point is, and all this, is like, you can't really have witnesses go against that. With the Baker thing, it was sort of different because facts did come out a little bit and there was a spur for a while that says, oh, uh, the witnesses recanted, but obviously, you know, that changed. But stemming from that, the Giants knew that Aldrich Rosas wasn't innocent in that case. And they decided to cut him, which is fine because even though you could make it the case, oh, he made a Pro Bowl for the Giants, you could prove the point with this. And then if you don't want to prove the point with this, you could prove the point that he had Two bad seasons and only one good one. So let's get to his replacement. That was Chandler Catanzaro. He's former Jet kicker, former Cardinal kicker, former Buck kicker. He's been on with a lot of teams over the years. He's 29 years old. He's about four more years older than Aldrich Rosas. Do I agree with this signing? No, I don't. And I will only agree with it in one condition. That condition being that there is competition. The Giants ultimately brung... Chandler Catanzaro out of retirement and a lot of players who come out of retirement and haven't played in a year or two don't do well Ryan Khalil he was brought out of retirement by the Jets didn't do well at center last year actually missed some games take a look at Jason Witten he wasn't the same we'll see what Gronk has to say but again you know it's a topic to talk about he hasn't played in a year and let's go back to when the Giants faced him with the Jets last preseason Chandler Canzaro missed two extra point attempts and then retired just after that game. So if you're the Giants here, it would be really silly not to bring in competition. I've always said on this podcast, especially with Aldrich Rosas, but in this case, bring in competition. I don't care if it's Steven Goskowski. I don't care if it's Ryan Sukop. I don't care if it's Justin Yoon, the... Uh, second year undrafted free agent out of Notre Dame. I don't care if it's Matt McCrane. Matt McCrane would be my preference because I actually like him from the Guardians and he was fifth in the league. He really tied for all the extra points and field goals that he made. It wasn't really extra points because they had a system over there where it's like one point, two point, three point, and they were all like two point conversion situations. There was no kicking a field goal after you score. But my point is bringing competition for this guy. And everybody's saying, oh, in 2018, he converted about 86% of his kicks. Yeah, I get that. But you know what? This guy hasn't played in two years. And I really don't like stats from two years ago. Especially if the guy's retired. Now, as I said before, Giants pulled him out of retirement. So in my opinion, especially when it comes to a kicker, stats, those stats are not relevant in my opinion. Don't give me something from two years ago. But... Final thoughts on this situation before I get into the Baker situation. Rosas was cut, yeah, but I don't like the replacement in my opinion unless you bring in competition and he actually excels during the preseason. Oh, I'm sorry, there is no preseason because the NFL Players Association and the players had to ruin it. So now we're just going to have camp. Thank you, NFL. But now let's go to the DeAndre Baker situation here. So everybody has been waiting, oh, ever since the new developments in the case, why don't they do something? Why don't they release him? Well, I do agree that the Giants should wait on the facts a little bit, but I think that the charges may be too a little severe in this case because armed robbery 
And he's paid off the witnesses. He's paid off the witnesses according to multiple reports. Even one of the lawyers got involved. So it doesn't look good for him here. And the Giants placed him on the NFL commissioner's exempt list. Which means he is not allowed to participate in camp and practice till everything on the legal side is finished. And Ryan Dunleavy, a beat reporter, posted earlier, he said that some of the players with the NFL commissioner's exemplist are allowed to attend meetings and non-practices and that stuff, but he does not have the Giants' permission to do that. So ultimately they said, you know what? Do not bother us with your legal stuff. Take care of that first and get that shit cleared up. And they come back to us. But honestly, I don't see how he's going to come out of this not guilty. Unless something happens or somebody torched some evidence or perjured some evidence or did whatever. I think Baker's guilty here. And I'm not going to be that player who's always lobbying, oh, Baker's guilty. He paid off the witnesses. I hope that he comes out that he paid off the witnesses and did this stuff and that stuff. and No, I'm going to sit here and watch what happens. I've said this before, I'm not a radical fan. I sit back and watch and see what happens. Honestly, my thoughts, Baker shouldn't come out not guilty. Because there is a lot of evidence pointing against him here. And everyone would say, oh, well, somebody's a Baker hater. He didn't have a good rookie season. Well, everybody could go ahead and point to Gettleman and say, oh, well, he didn't pay attention to his character before the draft in 2019. Well, you know what? He Maybe he should have paid attention. But he didn't have any criminal record, so Gettleman there, he ain't made a mistake on the character. He didn't know he was going to commit this crime. I don't know where Giants fans get that. I think they pull it out of their ass somewhere. But again, I think it's another thing that we're rebuilding and we're trying to get better. And Giants fans are just frustrated with the lack of winning. And they're just frustrated with Dave Gettleman and they're going to blame him for everything. Listen, Dave Gettleman is not perfect. I don't like a lot of his moves. But I'm not going to sit here and not credit a man or discredit a man that he did or that he didn't do. In this case, he should have paid attention to the character back before the 2019 draft. But it is not his fault that DeAndre Baker went out and did a stupid thing like this. Even during a pandemic in one of the hot spots in the United States. That's just unbelievable to me. And to close out that topic, again, I don't see Baker coming not guilty out of this. I don't see him being free of all of this. I want to see what the NFL is going to do as far as punishment goes if they even let him back into the league. And which they probably will because Antonio Brown found a way back in. And, and eventually they'll find a way for Baker to get back in the league. So they'll probably punish him like a four game or a six game suspension if he's still on the Giants. And even if he's not on the Giants. But I think the Giants might have to cut bait here. And if they do, I wouldn't necessarily be a glad person because it was a waste of a first round pick and baker did this to himself i'm gonna be honest here but i'll be happy that we don't have to deal with this drama anymore that's just my viewpoint on it but let's skip to the next subject about jamal adams so the next subject is the jamal adams thing now i already previewed what it would be like if he was to go to the nfc east with the cowboys the eagles I previewed that. So he actually went to the Seahawks with a fourth round pick for two firsts, Bradley McDougal, and I believe a third. Here's my whole take on the situation. And I'm not a Jet fan, so I don't fully know. But Jamal Adams wanted out of New York. He was another Odell Beckham, except I believe Odell was a better teammate 
With Jamal Adams, the Jets did not have a winning record at all. And I'm not going to go ahead and say, oh, it's like the Odell thing where the Giants didn't have success with Odell or that any team doesn't have success with Odell. I'm not going down that road. I'm not doing that again. And Jamal Adams is one of the best safeties in the NFL. And Jets fans have been lobbying that for the longest. Oh, he's number one safety. He's a playmaker. He's a difference maker. And Michael K made the point that a lot of Jets fans opposed. He said that he is a safety and not a game changer. He's not an edge rusher. He's not a corner. He's not a quarterback. He's not a wide receiver. He's not a running back. That I'll give him. And again, I'll give Jets fans. He's one of the best safeties in the NFL. Now, he had two years left on his rookie contract, and he wanted to be paid. So, a lot of people saying, oh, give him the extension, oh, do this, do that, do the other thing. Well, my take is, you got two years left, and you are rebuilding. What are you signing him to an extension for? So he could record stats on a non-winning team, and only improve himself and not the entire roster? Jamal Adams is not somebody you build off of. But going to my next point, when he had his select few teams that he wanted to be traded to, I think a couple of them was like the Texans, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Ravens. I'm missing teams, obviously, but those are a select few of the teams. He said, oh, you know, they don't have to extend me right away because those are winning teams. So how are you going to set a standard for one team that's losing and, you know, the Jets are going to be better than the Giants this year, in my opinion, but they're not going to be that good. But how are you going to set a standard for one team? And then the next couple teams you want to be traded to, you're going to be like, ah, leave it. It's because he wanted to win. And I get the whole fact, oh, if you're on a losing team, yeah, I get it. But you know what? Don't hold somebody to one standard and just let the other team that they got, obviously the receiving team of Jamal, have a get-out-of-jail-free card and not extend you. So that doesn't make any sense. Plus, the fact is that the Eagles and the Cowboys are borderline teams. Don't tell me, oh, one of them won the division last year. Yeah, NFC East is the worst division in football. Don't tell me that. Please, just stop talking. But my point is, Jamal Adams is a crybaby bastard, as my brother likes to affirm to. He wanted his money two years early because this team was losing and he was only going to put out stats for himself. And I know there's some Jet fans that are like, oh, we traded our best player, we've done this before, blah, 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 blah. Listen, I'm not a Jets fan, so I don't know what it feels like to lose that much. But, you know, this is one of the trades that had to happen, and I'm going to give credits to the Jets. I don't like the Jets, but I think they definitely got good value to rebuild in their future. I think they'll be good maybe next year or the year after that, depending on how they develop their players and stuff with all the stuff surrounding this year and what it's going to be like next year so it's going to be interesting and the cap space is going to be interesting for them too because if they have the draft picks and then they have the cap space you go out in free agency make a couple of good signings overpay for players which is good and bad at the same time because you have the money to do that but again you know this is a trade that the Jets had to make in my opinion so they wouldn't have to hear it from Jamal Adams and I agree with them on that one. So that's my analysis and opinion on the whole Jamal Adams subject. Now let's get to the Yankees-Nationals takeaways from the three-game opening set in Washington, D.C. But first, looking for the best gaming gear? 
Are you tired of going to Best Buy and GameStop to look for gaming accessories and then coming back weeks later just to get a replacement? Believe me, I know. That's where all to do with gaming.com comes in. They have everything from gaming chairs, light up keyboards, to gaming laptops, monitors, and headphones accessible for the new generation of gaming like the PS4, Xbox, and PC. Get 30% off your entire order with the promo code BIGBLUE30. That is BIGBLUE30, capital B, lowercase i, g, capital B again, L, U, E, 3, 0. BIGBLUE30, 30% off of your entire order and you won't regret it one bit. So stop going to GameStop and Best Buy for cheap gaming accessories and head to alltodowithgaming.com. That's alltodowithgaming.com. Now back to the Yankees Nationals recap and takeaway subject. Okay, so next topic we're going to talk about is the recent three-game set in D.C. Obviously, baseball was back this weekend, and the Yankees took two out of three games in D.C. Now, let's take a minute here, and I'm going to play the rant video that I compiled up from the live stream. Obviously, I ranted on Angel Hernandez on the live stream when Brett Gardner struck out. Here it is. What? Oh my god! Fuck this! Fuck! Oh my god! The pitch was so outside! God damn! Bro, come on! I didn't even close. Mike got number seven. Oh my! This guy wants to screw me tonight! Oh my god! I'm surprised Gardner didn't get ejected. He's going one off you the second he gets a bad call. Can we get the helmet? The, the, can we get one of these again? Yeah, I know, right? So I was pretty mad there. And probably one of the maddest I've been. Obviously, it was opening day, but who thought it was a good idea to put Angel Hernandez behind the play on opening day? Probably Rob Manfred's because Angel Hernandez sued the MLB and they're not getting rid of him for a long time. So... Let's break down the takeaways from Game 1, which was last Thursday. Obviously, we streamed for that, and we watched part of the Giant-Dodger game. But the game was rain-shortened, so we only saw a little bit of Garrett Cole. He did complete the game, though. So let's do some takeaways here. Uh, One of them, offense looks powerful. We saw a judge hit an RBI double. We saw Wade speeding around the bases like a running back, wide receiver, however you want to call it. And Stan hit a home run, and he also did the next game, and he, other than yesterday's game, which I'll get to that topic, or at least that section of the takeaways, he's good. I mean, he has his strikeouts he still needs to solve, but when he hits the home runs, they're long. We saw this when it came to the one game against the Mets in exhibition, now it's dropping off in D.C., and hopefully, if we do face the Phillies at all he can exhibit this type of power so that's much for offensive takeaways now let's go to the real focus Garrett Cole obviously started I had my Garrett Cole shirt on last Thursday so in the first inning he gave up a home run to Adam Eaton who was actually on my fantasy team he threw a lot of fastballs in his first start he didn't really mix in well this is actually the start of the first game in the first inning second inning He was a little bit all over the place. He wasn't totally out of control, but you could see he was nervous after the first home run. He gave a home run to Adam Eaton to deep right field, and then 
he started shaking a little bit, threw some fastballs, was missing targets a little bit, but then slowly finding his groove as he got through in the game. Obviously, Scherzer struck out 11 and did better than him in that category, but Cole got the win and Scherzer got the loss because Scherzer allowed more hits and runs, obviously. So I'll give you the stats for Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer from last Thursday. And I also bet on those stats, and I lost for most of them. But here are the stats from last Thursday's game for both starting pitchers. Here they are. Now Max Scherzer, the hosting pitcher, is obviously 0-1 now with the Nationals because he lost this game. But I'll give you his stats. Five and a third pitched innings, six hits, four runs, all of them earned, four walks, 11 strikeouts, and one home run, and ended the game with a 6.75 ERA. The home run was obviously Giancarlo Stanton's. 99 pitches, so he would have probably been out of the game sooner than later if the game would have been played on. So let's go to Garrett Cole here. Five innings pitched, one hit, one run. One earned. Obviously, the one hit was the run. That was Adam Eaton's home run. One walk, five Ks, and a home run. 75 pitches and a 1.80 ERA. So, overall for this game, Cole found his groove after the home run and slowly started going back into it. But the Yankees definitely showcased some high-powered offense. Even if it didn't come from the home run from Stanton, Judge still hit an RBI double. So let's go to game two. The Yankees lost this one 9-2. Obviously, Paxton lost the game. The win by Tannerini, of course. Now let's jump into those takeaways, shall we? So the offense did not take advantage. How do I mean by that? Four Nationals errors defensively. Yankees only scored two runs. And the situational hitting looked like it was 2016 again. Did not look good at all. Paxton... Did not catch on from the start for multiple reasons. Obviously, he got out of the first inning for all fine and well. And the second inning was just torture. Here's how. He didn't record an out in his second inning of pitching. He allowed five hits, three earned runs, a walk, and a K. Only one K. And he had 41 pitches in the one inning he pitched. He also pitched the second inning, but failed to record it out. Obviously, his ERA ended up to being a 27. So, he had a Victor, Victor Robles double, a Trey Turner ground into a double play, but they still scored there. And then later on, when the bullpen came in, Michael King struggled. He couldn't get the job done to at least hold him to some sort of standards. Gave up a home run to Victor Robles, and then... A ground rule double for Kendrick and a and his Drupal Cabrera double, his Drupal Cabrera home run, and a Michael Taylor home run. So 9-2 was the final score of that game. Also, Stan continued to showcase his power. He hit a home run off of Fede. And as I said, the young bullpen really couldn't save the stale offense. Obviously, Yankees did not take advantage of the situation when it came to four Washington National errors. King, Holder, Hale, Heller, and Avion almost allowed one run each. Holder and Hale, in their opportunities, did not give up a run. But King, the youngster, gave up four runs. One of them being on a home run by Victor Robles. And Ben Heller, he gave up a home run to his Drupal Cabrera. And Luis Avion gave up a home run to Michael Taylor. 
And I was continuing to ask myself questions, and I was actually talking to one of my friends from Pennsylvania. His name is Connor, and we were saying, how are they going to do this bullpen game tomorrow? And this was actually before Taylor hit the home run. I'm like, how are they going to close it out? You know, are they going to bring in this guy? I said, they probably won't bring in Green. They probably won't bring in Loisaga. I don't see them two closing the game at all. They'll probably bring in some other pitcher because those two are probably candidates to start for the next game. And one of them, I was right. Jonathan Loisaga got the start. Luis Alvion gave up that home run to Michael Taylor, of course, and closed out the inning in the game. So let's skip to game three. The final game of the three-game set that happened on Sunday. So the offense got a slow start. They were being no-hitted at one point by Patrick Corbin. And Glaber Torres, of course, got the first hit. And, of course, they took out Corbin at only 75 pitches in the seventh inning, which isn't really bad. I mean, he did give up the home run to Glaber Torres, which cut the lead in half at that point. And I wasn't able to watch the game because I was in Staten Island at the time, but... My friend Sean, who was behind the scenes and was on the live stream on Thursday, he watched the full game and gave me most of the takeaways, and I'm taking away from it now. So obviously, these teams are heavily induced with their bullpens, meaning that new analytics, new managers, and new playbook sort of Dave Martinez and Aaron Boone are full of analytics and love the analytics. They love it. So, Corbin got taken out at only 75 pitches in the 7th inning, which isn't so bad. It it seemed like the Yankees weren't taking advantage and were swinging at the first strikes and doing everything and not working the count early. So, that's why he wound out 75 pitches in the 7th inning, which, again, for the final time, it isn't bad, but they obviously took him out early. So, now they put Will Harris in, and he gave him a home run to Luke Voigt. In the seventh inning, after Patrick Corbin left, so it was kind of a ruined day for Patrick Corbin. You know, eight strikeouts, only two hits, and one earned run. And he comes out and he just gives up a home run. So, really, a blown situation there for the Nationals pitching staff. And Torres obviously got the go ahead single, which ended up winning the game in the eighth inning. That was off of Sean Doolittle. Other than David Hale, I would say that the bullpen did pretty good. They mostly kept the lead intact. Zach Britton got the save. Ottavino did a nice job. Chad Green as well. Tommy Canely as well. Also, all combining for eight strikeouts. And Gary Sanchez, kudos to him. Throughout Emilio Bonifacio at third after he overrid the bag at third, ending the game and winning the game for the Yankees would be a 3-2 game. And one of the other things that I'm going to bring up here is Stanton and Judge didn't really do too well. They struck out a combined four times. Obviously, Judge had no hits on the day. He had 1K. Stanton had three. Didn't get any hits at all. But obviously, the rest of the offense was intact. And Talkman struggled too. He was starting in center field today for Aaron Hicks. But those are the takeaways from the series here. And... Those are my thoughts, my takeaways, and hopefully we actually play some games in Philly, and if we do, play some good baseball. So let's get to this whole Philly-Yankee thing, and as everybody heard on the news and everything, social media, whatever, uh, the Yankees-Philly series in Philadelphia is canceled, the reason being the Marlins were just over there and 
18 Marlins players now have COVID-19. Now, they weren't all affected at once. Obviously, there was some Marlins players with COVID before. Now, they have more infected players now to a larger amount of players on the roster, and they'll probably have to do next man up just like the Yankees did last year. But fortunate enough for baseball, at least for the Phillies' standpoint, they have no players who have COVID. They took the test yesterday after they found out that some Marlins players got COVID-19. So they took tests, and greatly enough, they didn't have any positives, which is good. So the Yankees don't have to worry about getting COVID or anything, at least for right now. And today they went back to the stadium to practice, so it's really another off day for them. But good enough that nobody in this matchup has COVID, but I feel sorry for the Marlins players. Now let me talk about it a little bit and who I think is faulted with this situation. So let me start off by saying there is a lot of blame to go around. And it depends on how you see the situation. I'm not going to say and defend Florida, but I will say that location definitely plays a part in this thing. Especially knowing it's Florida and Miami and, you know, it's a hot spot down there. But I'm not going to sit here and make politics or make COVID-19 talk. Now, here, um, everybody knows that the first start of the MLB season, or at least when they're trying to get a plan, the MLB players rejected Rob Manfred's thing about having a bubble in Arizona and Florida. One, because location. Two, because they want to be in a bubble. The NBA has a bubble. The NHL is going to have a bubble. And barely any COVID-19 tests are positive down there. And the NBA restart is in Florida. So you point out the factor here that Manfred didn't do such a good job with the COVID-19 rules. And here's why. Obviously, you know, the players, in this situation, you have to have some sort of punishment or some sort of rule that limits players from going out like this. Obviously, I'm all for players' freedom and everything, but if you're putting it at the risk of your teammates and your coaches, it's not worth it. It really isn't when you have a shortened 60-game season and you're out for maybe a week or two with COVID-19 symptoms, you come back and your team's in or out of the playoffs and you missed an opportunity or something like that. But Manfred, in my opinion, it's sort of his fault because after they rejected the bubble, he had to come up with some sort of plan that allowed players to have freedom, but at the same time, you know, don't infect the coaches or if you went out the other day, you know, quarantine yourself or do something like that. I know those sounds like bubble-like rules, but again, you have to keep the players safe in this sort of situation. Why is it the players' fault now? The players are responsible for themselves. They can't be going out... And just having a grand old time and not wearing a mask in this situation. COVID-19 is dangerous and is infectious. And especially when you're playing baseball and you're athletic and everything. And you have coaches and your other teammates to worry about. But in this situation, you can't be blaming the MLB for rules and say, oh, they didn't put out rules, so we're not going to follow them. No, you are responsible for yourself. This is why you're an adult. You are responsible for yourself in this situation. The world has tested you to go in this situation and come out uninfectious. Now, I'm not saying that you're a bad person if you're infected. I'm not saying you're not responsible. But when you are not paying attention to government protocols, or at least your own league's protocols, to at least limit the infection in the league, that is a big problem. 
And again, the Players Association won with this whole agreement and everything because, oh, we have to get our money. Oh, we got to get 100% of our salary, even though we're playing only, what, a third of the season, something like that. I mean, my numbers are off, but still, not playing the full season, but you're going to get to pay the full salary because you're going to have players opting out and be like, oh, well, you know what? I'm just going to strike because of this. So, in my opinion, to finish off that subject, equal blame goes to both sides. Manfred, after the bubble rejection, he should have put out some more rules. And you know what? Shame on him for this one thing. You know, you could be for, you could be against wearing masks in the dugout or whatever. They put it a section in the stands where teammates can socially distance the dugout because the dugout is a crowded area. Nobody was wearing masks. Nobody was social distancing in the dugout for the Yankees game, the Dodgers game, most of the games around the MLB. So if you're going to have some protocols, at least act on it and punish the players. Everyone knows that the MLB is not going to do such a thing because the Players Association will be like, oh, it's their their body, their choice. You know what? You're infecting your other players by even making that statement. So I don't know where they get that right to say that. But as I said before, Players Association and MLB are full to blame for this. And if the MLB doesn't act with punishing players for not socially distancing or putting masks on, that's their own fault. And they're going to be losing money because of it. Because obviously you'll have those players with COVID-19 and maybe less people will watch. Or maybe you might fold the season because more players are getting infected because you didn't put out the protocols. You are not forcing them. You are not punishing the players. And the players are taking advantage of you because you don't punish them. And because they get away with everything in every sport, just like the NFL. Now let me speak upon the NFL. So a lot of players opted out this morning, mostly Patriots. There was Brandon Bolden, uh, Marcus Cannon, the right tackle. This is Patriots. There was Dante Hightower, the linebacker. I think they had a couple more. Lavarnway Duvernay Tardif, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, was the first one to opt out. Then you had Marquise Goodwin. You had an undrafted free agent from the Cowboys. You had a couple other players. You had Michael Pierce, the former Raven now on the Vikings. So it seems to me, and if I'm counting correctly, obviously, that a lot more players are opting out of the NFL than they are with the MLB. Now, the MLB has a different policy if you opt out, but if you opt out in the NFL, you get $150,000 for a year, and you live on your 2020 contract in 2021. So that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, but it's going to be like this all year, folks. And I don't blame the players for opting out. You still get something of your salary. And I'm surprised that the whole NFLPA hasn't come out and said, oh, they should you know, be paid their full salary if they choose to opt out because of your protocols. Well, the protocols were made. They're pretty safe protocols. They are pretty strict. And the NFL, in my opinion, will stick to them and punish players for not social distancing or wearing some sort of mask whenever it comes to some sort of notification. If they find out about it, they will act more than the MLB will ever will on any of these situations. That's a problem with these sports. The athletes make millions and millions of dollars just to keep blabbing their mouths of how they can make more money, but don't actually think about their other teammates. And I'm talking, of course, you know, preseason. I'm not going to go into that rant again, but I'm talking about, you know, the undrafted free agents getting screwed, the low-tier backups getting screwed. As I said, I'm not going to rant on that, but that's really my thought process when it comes to the Phillies-Yankees series being postponed or canceled or whatever they do with it. That's my thoughts on that. And also the NFL 
having more players in the MLB opt out. Obviously, there are bigger rosters. They're going to make the practice squads bigger. But for right now, those are my thoughts on those such topics. Thank you guys for listening to Tuesday's edition of the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. More podcasts available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, and CastBox. I have a new sponsor now. You can go check that out. 30% off of your entire order on alltodowithgaming.com with the promo code BIGBLUE30. You can help me out. You can help yourself out with some new gaming technology and not buying the cheap stuff at Best Buy or even GameStop. It's a beneficial relationship. You guys keep this podcast going and even get something for yourselves online. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you on Thursday.